good? What's good? What's good, fam? Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys are enjoying the new year. 2021 is upon us now, two weeks in. Hope you guys are enjoying things. This is the Voice of the Fans podcast. This is your man, Young Cam, and I am joined by my man, Young Sam. And we make up Voice of the Fans. How you doing, Sam? Doing fantastic, Cam. How about yourself? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for asking. In this episode, we're going to discuss Week 19 in the NFL. Also going to discuss some coaching changes. Got some openings and some feelings, some hirings that you guys may want to know about. We're going to talk, discuss the wild card weekend, as I mentioned. The Eagles letting go. Firing Peterson. Seahawks firing their OC. Steelers firing their OC. We're going to talk about Kyrie. Oh, we have a big trade in the NBA we got to talk about, Cleveland. Also, we're going to talk about Alabama. And if I want you to tell me, Cleavon, is Nick Saban, is he the GOAT? Is there any question about it now? We also got week three in the NBA season. And as always, this day in history, good comfortable fans, turn up the radio because we're going to have some fun, fun tonight. Cleavon, let's do this. Before we get started, I want to shout out to all the listeners listening to us, however you're listening to us, wherever you're listening to us at. If it's Spotify, Tuned In, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. While you're taking a listen, go ahead and hit the like button and then leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. But we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Today, January 14th is when we're recording this, Cleveland. It's week three. And we will, each and every week we do the numbers. What number? Who do you think of most when you hear a particular number? Or who wore it best, Cleveland? So that's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you about the number three. Who do you th- Who comes to your mind first? And then who wore it best? Is that one of the same person? Uh, Cam, the person that comes to mind first is uh, D-Wade. Uh, you know, Wade County down there with the Miami Heat and all that he was able to accomplish over there with Pat Riley and, you know, Mickey Aronson and the Miami Heat organization. He's the one that comes to mind first. Probably the person that wore it best was Babe Ruth, however, who wore the number three quite well. Okay. Interesting. Fans, you'd be, you wouldn't be surprised if you felt that Cleveland, a University of Washington graduate, did not give any love to a University of Washington graduate. Uh, Brandy Roy deserves some credit there. I'll give it to him. Brandon, uh, Cleveland, he, he gives no love to the UW. So I give I'll plenty of love to Mr. Roy. He's just not the the athlete wearing number three that comes to mind first or who wore it best. But absolutely he deserves uh, you know accolades for what he was able to do with the number three on. But he's just – you know, the answer to the question is, is not Brandon Roy, unfortunately, on either side. Um, another guy who actually comes to mind when you think of the number three was a sharpshooter for your Seattle Supersonics back in the day. The silent assassin. Mr. Dale Ellis. So uh, that was a couple guys that come to my mind when I think when I think of the number three. 
And when you think of the number 14, you know, there's a Kendrick, or not Kendrick Perkins, Mr. Sam Perkins, former Seattle Supersonic, who comes to, to, comes to mind. Cleveland, that's just one guy, but there's a slew of number 14 guys. Who actually comes to your mind? Uh, when we're talking about number 14, uh, right now, fresh in my mind is a uh... A Seahawk receiver named DK Metcalf kind of comes to mind first and foremost. Who wore it best? I, I'm going to go with Charlie Hustle, Pete Rose. Charlie Russell, Pete Rose. That's not a bad pick. That's not a bad pick right there. I guess a couple, yeah, a couple picks right there. That's not so bad. Once again, Husky fan, Cleveland's not going to give no credit to a Husky. Uh, so I must step up and give credit to Mr. Tenlumsicum for what he's done in us. Um, Husky jersey, and then go on to what he's done in the Major League Baseball, Super Bowl, or World Series champion. I mean, that's fine. And, you know, again, fans, he's trying to make it seem like I am not giving credit to my fellow Husky alumni. Totally not the case. I don't I don't have to make it seem like that. They they identify it. You know, I got letters upon letters that talk about Cleveland. Cleveland not giving credit to his Huskies. Well, why even uh, say he goes there? They actually for the actually actually turn in your your purple and gold uh, jersey and your student yeah, card. No, no one has asked that. They, no they've actually asked you. Yeah, they've actually asked for that uh, card to even know if it. To, they don't. Some people don't believe it the way you diss them like you do. Wow. Wow. Okay. I will address them uh, individually later, but okay. Um, Cleveland, as we look on to the NFL scene from this past week, man, you know, the uh, historic weekend as far as uh, we had six, count them, six wild card weekend games this weekend. So it was good. a lot of good football play, being played. Well, a lot of good games being played. You know, good matchups that we had. Not all, Not all of them were great games, but we had a lot of good matchups. So, do you want to talk about the matchups that we had on Saturday and Sunday last week, or do you want to talk about these changes in the league first? I'll give you the option. Which one do you want to go? You know, Ken, let's go with the changes in the league first, if you don't mind. Okay. Well, were you surprised to start off? Were you surprised that Peterson actually got fired for that stunt he pulled when he decided to put Sudafed, I mean, uh, Sagefield, Sudgefield in the game again? Um, last game of the season against those Washington football team. Were you surprised by that move? Were you surprised he got fired for that move after just winning the Super Bowl, what, two short seasons ago? I was completely surprised, Cam, because I don't think that that's a, that's a move that he would have made of his own volition uh, without some permission from some other, you know, people higher up. So, um, yeah, I was surprised that they let him go considering all the support um, and approval they had given him um, through the course of the season. It was a very difficult year. Um, you know, a change at quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, various injuries. So um, I thought that having won the Super Bowl three years ago, he got a little bit more rope, a little bit more latitude, but uh, it's a results-oriented business, and it's uh, what have you done for me now? And uh, clearly they decided that it was time to move on. Yeah, that was quite a surprise, and I, too, agree with you. He wouldn't have made that rash move, uh, a move that 
okay, they moved up three picks in the draft. Um, somebody had to have that in mind when when that move was made. But then with them, that would be pretty shitty if uh, the owner or the GM said we're going to go this direction. Um, called down on the you know on the phone and said, hey, let's go ahead, leave. you know, let's not try so hard to win this game. And then they fired him for that. That would be a pretty shitty move. And if that was actually the case, you would have to think that Peterson is arrogant as he has he shown himself to be over the last few years, has had to have some friends and allies in the industry. And that word would get around. And then that would make, if the, if that was the case, that the owner made that call and then fired him for making it, for following through with that a few weeks later, that 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 scenario would get around and no, that would make them hot, harder to hire a coach. We know these jobs are gold. There's only a few of them in the industry. So there's only 32, 32 of them in the world. We get that. So, you know, maybe they can take a college coach who is just going to take, take the job just because it's such a um, rare job to have. But, yeah, that would be a bad look on the management, I, I would think. So what's your thoughts on that? Uh, it would be a bad look on the management side of things, but at the same time, uh, the other thing that I was hearing is that it was a little bit of a power struggle with regards to who was going to be the leader and the quarterback going forward. Um, Doug Peterson kind of, you know, digging his heels in with Jalen Hurts and ownership, understanding how much they were on the hook financially for the other guy um, didn't necessarily feel that way and didn't necessarily think that Jalen Hurts had done enough to warrant the financial obligation. So um, I think that's probably, you know, had a lot to do with the decision and um, they weren't successful. They they didn't win. So it's surprising that they made the decision that they made, but at the same time, I mean, they they have a certain standard they're trying to uphold, and they just weren't there. So, well, that's um, yeah, that would be kind of surprising. So that left a, a, a hole empty, empty in the in the coaching ranks in the NFL. Actually, added to the pool. We're going to talk about a couple uh, jobs that were full here later, but just to um, double back on this. The Atlanta Falcons job is open. Houston Texans job is open. Jacksonville Jaguars, it's filled, but it was open as of um, this morning. Los Angeles Chargers job is is still vacant. New York Jets job is vacant as of when I when I did the prep for the show. So this morning it was vacant. It's filled now. We'll talk about that shortly. And then that left the Philadelphia Eagles job. And so the question I wanted to ask was, which job is most appeasing? But since we had, I think it's uh, only wise to talk about the jobs that got filled, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars job got filled up by Mr. Urban Meyer and Mr. Uh, Sickly and, you know, Sickly himself. Uh, What is the over-under on Urban Meyer coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars? Is it three years? I think three three years would be have to be the the mark over under, and I say he goes under. What do you say? 
would have to agree with the uh, over-under being three years, Cam. But I think he goes uh, – I think he hits it right on the mark. I think he has a three-year career. Um, I think they have to give him at least two years to make it happen. Um, but I don't think he coaches more than more than four. So um, I think three is okay. a good number. Um, you know, unfortunately, he has had health issues in the past and has had a propensity to be at places for a little while um, until it's not as successful as he would like or um, the program gets into trouble. From a college perspective, obviously, that's not going to happen in the NFL because everything is on the up and up with regards to things that you do or don't do. Um, and there's no, you know, sanctions or, you know, penalties with regards to that. So um, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. But, you know, making that jump from college to pros, you know, something like make the transition smoother than others. Um, I'm not sure that Urban Meyer is really the guy for that. Uh, but at the same time, he does come in with the number one pick in the draft, which will most undoubtedly be Trevor Lawrence. So that's helpful. So we'll see if he's able to leverage that number one pick and kind of his experience um, to you know take the Jacksonville Jaguars to higher heights. But I think three years over under is pretty much right on, spot on. Okay. Well, I think he's going to go under, as I mentioned. Um, he it, whether it's uh, family, he needs to spend more time with the family, or he has uh, quote unquote medical issues that he needs to address. Um, I don't see him coaching more than the third, the coming back for the third year. Um, and some people say that's kind of a quitter's mentality, and I tend to lean that way. Uh, however, if it is legitimate health issues that he has, um, you know, it, it stopped him in a couple of different locations that he's been at. Um, so I don't think – I think the NFL would probably be a little bit more stressful than the college ranks. I mean, now you're dealing with grown men and trying to get grown men to follow your system. You can't yell at them. You can't scream on them. You can't whack them over the head. So I think that's going to uh, add more pressure to him because he's going to be – pressure is going to be applied from multiple angles. Uh, ownership fans and the players are going to be coming back at him. You know, I, I don't know that. We're going to talk a little bit about Nick Saban later, but we know what Nick Saban did when he had his run in the NFL. Um, it didn't last long, right? Um, mainly because mainly because he didn't have his quarterback. He chose wrong in the quarterback position, but it didn't last long when he was when he was a head coach. Urban Meyer will have his quarterback. However, Nick Saban also is my way of the highway type of guy. And I wouldn't expect Urban Meyer to be any different. Urban Meyer hasn't coached in a few years. Do the players now, today, realize, recognize that he does actually have the highest winning percentage in college football? Do they recognize any of his work? Whereas if Nick Saban was to come back to the NFL today, they're like, okay, he has six rings. Six rings since we've been watching college football and know what's going on with college football. Nick Saban has built the 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 road tide um, rolling wheel that they have every year. Um, and he's been the head coach of the Alabama Invitational every season for the last, what, eight seasons in a row? I think one, one of those seasons, one, uh, seven out of eight seasons. So 
players are familiar with him and his work, where their response going into training camp is a little different than they might be of Urban Meyer, who was the last time Urban Meyer coached. Was the last time he coached college kids? Now, he has worked for Fox the last few years and kind of understands the landscape, and he's had an update, um, an up-to-date view of some of these college players for the last couple of years to see who's talented, who's not, and where these guys are. But that has how much communication has he had with these players? Do the players recognize him for, as a TV commentator or as a football coach? You know, you understand the question that probably is going to be there for some of the players? Um, uh, sh- sure. The, 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 there's actually two things there, Cam. Number one, uh, Urban Meyer is not so far removed um, that players don't know and recognize who he is. Um, he coached Tim Tebow. Yeah, he, that, he, was a, he, that was a little he, while ago. That was a little. Well, while I mean, he, he won a national championship at uh, Ohio, Ohio State, State with Ezekiel Elliott, like you know, four years ago. So, and there's plenty okay. of talent um, from Ohio State, and even talent. Moreover, from Florida previously, that um, are alumni of his coaching technique and understand who he is. Secondly, the biggest problem that college coaches have making the jump is not with regards to authority or my road or the high road. It's that they can't recruit. So you can't always just have the best players all the time. You can't just throw up uh, a program and say, hey, come here and do this. And in three years, you'll be a star. That's just not how it works in the pros. Um, There's salary cap implications. There are just player personnel issues that you don't deal with in college that you have to deal with in the NFL. And you just don't have the same type of talent base to implement your plans. So we'll see how Urban Meyer adjusts to that first and foremost um, with regards to him having respect with regards to being a coach. Um, He has plenty of that. You don't see that issue. Uh, I, I, I beg to differ. You said it was four years. Did he coach after Ezekiel Elliott and they won that championship? Did he coach? He sure time? did. He coached. He coached all the way up until uh, not this year and not last year, but the year before. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I think. I believe the quarterback I, was a guy uh, uh, named Wayne Haskins. Was the last quarterback that he coached. Oh, uh, yeah. We, as far as time evaluation, we've seen what happened with Haskins, huh? Well, I'm just saying uh, they did get to the Rose Bowl, and you know I believe they actually won the Rose Bowl. So, yeah, that was his okay. last big game. But uh, you know, yeah, he okay. he still got his finger on the pulse for sure. Okay, well, we'll see how things transpire down there for him in, in Jacksonville. And you know, he is going back to a town where he, where he's had some previous success, and that team it historically has struggled. Uh, to have any amount of success in, in their in their history, so if he can duplicate some of the success he had with the university in Jacksonville, maybe he can do something with the the pro team in Jacksonville. And the, so the city is is going to be patient with him, um, kind of what I'm saying. So I, I'm not saying he's going to be fired. I'm saying he's going to bail out or, or or possibly quit in in a, in a couple of years versus um, being escorted out the building. Uh, Robert Sala signed with the New York Jets. What's your uh, first thought on this guy coming up in the ranks of uh, San Francisco being a coordinator over there and under John Lynch and Shanahan? What's your anticipations of a defensive coach going to the New York Jets, and what does that say for them and the quarterback they have in Sam Darnold? 
Well, first and foremost, I'm happy for him. Um, before he was doing all that stuff in San Francisco, um, he was a you know a, a defensive coach up here um, with the Seahawks with the 206 with the 12. So you know, happy for him from that perspective. Would have thought that the way the Detroit Lions were um, approaching the situation that he would have ended up there, and the demographic of uh, you know the population there was definitely um, favorable for him with regards to the support, but uh, why not take the job in the big city? Um, see what you can do. They tried to go with the offensive guru last time. That clearly did not work. So no, you know, no problems with trying to concentrate on the other side of the ball and see if you can make things happen. They have a good defense. So, you know, maybe that's what we've already saying. We got a good defense, so a few tweaks here and there. We can be a dominant defense and bring in a good offensive coach and let them ride. Uh, that might be what his philosophy is, or, and we'll see how, how things shake out. So kudos to uh, Robert Sala for getting that job, and, you know, I hope he falls on his face because uh, he plays in my division. Um, Dallas Cowboys hired your boy who was fired with the Atlanta Falcons, Dan Quinn. So does Dallas Cowboys is Richard Sherman walking in that door? Is Cam Chancellor walking through that door? Is Earl Thomas walking through that door? You know that was a special group of a uh, guy there. We've seen you know a couple of examples, and we'll get to the other guy later. Since those coaches that have moved on from having coaching those individuals that we speak about, their success in the league hasn't been that great. Dan Quinn was an absolute failure in Atlanta. The defense never was anything to be threatened of. Now, whether that's coaching, whether that's play, player selection, because I remember one draft they spent their whole draft on defensive players and none of them panned out. I'm not so impressed with this hire for the Dallas Cowboys because you're not going to – they want what he did and made his name for in Seattle. However, you don't – those players aren't just floating around the league. Those players don't grow on trees. So to expect that same production and performance from him and his players I think is is not a wise decision. What's your thoughts on that? Fair question, Cam. I mean, was he getting the job just kind of on name recognition with regards to what he had done in the past with a um, he had to. Historic, he uh, historically great defense? Uh, what did he do in Atlanta he, to deserve a, another he, job? They, 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 give me a chance here, Cam. He did take the Atlanta Falcons as the head coach to the Super Bowl. Was a few minutes what, away from and, winning and, a Super Bowl. And they not saying that that defense, not saying that their defense was extraordinary. On that team, a lot of it had to do with, you know, the coordinator and the other skill players on the offensive side of the ball. However, I do think that he knows enough about defense and without having the responsibility of running the entire organization, just the defensive side of it, perhaps he gets an opportunity to somewhat redeem himself. But like you're saying, the last two defensive coordinators from Seattle that have, got, that have taken head coaching positions i.e. Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn, have not fared so well. So 
perhaps a lot of their success had to do with the players. Hmm, Cam. Interesting. Had to do with the players um, with, as, as opposed to the actual schematics of what it is that they were doing that kind of gave them their reputation and allowed them to get jobs in the future. So we'll see the way they play these, this thing out. Um, you know, the Cowboys have some issues. Um, I kind of feel like Gus Bradley has a little bit more opportunity for success than Dan Quinn does just because of ownership and just the autonomy that he's going to have being a coordinator. But, you know, only time will tell. Well, Gus Bradley, um, who who just recently taken over the Raiders' defensive coordinator position, another guy who has had, as you mentioned, not great success as a head coach um, when he's had the opportunity. But Gus Bradley, I, I think it, it's going to be if, if Mike Mayock stays on um, the head coach, I think that's going to be a, a bit better player selection uh, issue that you don't have to consider in in Las Vegas now. Uh, I think they're just going to draft better uh, versus, you know, Dallas may, may or may not get you the right players to coach. And so we'll see. We'll see how that works out. Um, both of these guys have got name, their role off of name recognition, although neither one of them has had great success over the past few years. I say the success that uh, Bradley has had as a more uh, a bit more familiar with these guys, or that he's had studs in his position, and once once those studs went down, the defense consistently gave up big leads, was unable to turn uh, create turnovers. So there were some challenges within that scheme that he was running, and was he running the scheme that he thought maybe number thirty one was uh, dressed up out there <laughs> in uniform or. He thought he saw number 25 or he thought he saw number 54 um, running around there and he was having flashbacks, but those guys never materialized for the Chargers and they didn't, damn sure didn't show up on the field. So uh, we'll see how he ends up doing. And like you say, he'll have more autonomy in, in Las Vegas. Probably a better uh, uh, stock of players to coach up, but we'll see how he does. I'm not, I'll be interested to see how long he sticks around there. Um, as a coordinator. Um, we had a couple of fires as well. The Steelers fired their OC. Seahawks fired their OC. We'll see who they plan to bring in as a replacement for these guys. But uh, that's that's where we're at now. Cleveland, and in regards to the Steelers OC, I got a question to ask you. Are you ready now to admit you were wrong about the Cleveland Browns. No, Cam. Well, psych, I'm just kidding. This is what sports is all about. Whether I'm ready to admit it or not, they, they're not giving me a choice, are they? They, they <laughs> went out and took care of business, got into the playoffs, and then once they got into the playoffs, they took care of business again. It's a it's an accomplishment to win a playoff game, and certainly when you've been out on the outside looking in for you know almost twenty five years, my goodness, I mean I would just have to be a fool to just continue to just you know disrespect them. They have completely earned my respect. Shorthanded, 
didn't have their coach, don't have their best receiver, had some uh, other COVID issues, made no difference. Went on the road and beat a perennial Super Bowl caliber team. I have to. Uh, you got. You got everything you said was great, except you said they didn't have the best receiver. The best Jarvis Landry was out there. He was out there making plays. <clears throat> Are you Jarvis Landry's agent? Clearly, Odell Beckham Jr. is the better receiver. He just is injured right now, which is the only reason you can't over, see that. So we have we we haven't seen Odell since week four. When you when you start your questions was when your questions were valid about the Browns is when Odell was playing because he hasn't played. What are they? What is their record? Eight and two. Come wow! On, you, you, so so you so you're on, putting all that on the subtraction of Odell Beckham on the roster. I'm just saying. I'm just. Uh, what's been different? He, since he since he hasn't been there, the quarterback has been playing better. That, that's that's well that's that's what happens when you get injured and you miss reps and you miss games and you miss time. I mean, they just completely forget about you and put other ancillary players in front of you. Uh, ancillary players like Jarvis Landry is an ancillary player now. I mean, he's certainly not Odell Beckham Jr. caliber, but I mean, he's he's all right for what it is that he's doing. And the question was, Cam, whether I'm giving the Cleveland Browns credit, and the answer is yes. I've been okay. I've been not giving them credit, not believing in them at this point, but they have made me believers. They have beat okay. it into me. They have they made it a point to prove their point to me. And yes, I accept that. Well, I was yeah. wrong about them. They're much better than I gave them credit for. Well, they may not be much last much longer in the playoffs, but they got a dominating win, the most dominating win of the weekend, as you uh, as you probably already know, and that was the final game of the weekend. So, good kudos to the Browns for getting that W uh, in the playoffs, man. So, we, so when we look at the playoff matchups, was that bad Bills or bad, good Colts? Excuse me, was that good Bills or bad Colts in that game there? Oh, it's good Bills. It has imposed their will on them, even without uh, you know Zach Moss, their 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 tough runner. They they were still able to get it done, and you know Philip Rivers kept the uh, Colts in it as long as he could. But they they just you know aren't ready to win against a team um, that is you know primed to get to the you know AFC Championship at the very least, and quite possibly the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're they're, they're ready to play the Bills. Are um, I, I try to ignore them most of the season, but. Uh, yeah, these guys look really sharp on, on Sunday, um, and they look like they're ready, re- really ready to roll. A team that was not ready to roll was the Seattle Seahawks. Bad Seahawks or good Rams? What, what, bad Seahawks. Bad Seahawks, bad Seahawks, bad Seahawks. Extremely disappointing. The 12s are uh, in mourning, um, just the way the season unfolded. Um, we all knew that the Los Angeles Rams were going to be a very formidable opponent. They always play as tough, but certainly nobody expected that outcome, especially when you're in an all-in type of season, um, you know, picking up Carlos Dunlap, giving up multiple picks for Jamal Adams, just really trying to get it done here and now. And just to go out like that was extremely disappointing. Um. Yeah, as you mentioned, the Rams played them tough. 
all the time, um, all the time. Would you admit that the Seahawks need a running game? Are you still happy with Carson? I don't know that Carson is the was the problem, um, and I don't know necessarily um, trying to throw the ball more was the problem, considering that you have a receiver that got 1,300 yards on one side, and you got a receiver that got 100 receptions on the other side. And by most uh, experts' opinion, the best receiving core in the NFL. So, oh my goodness, unless well, you name one better, I, I, I. I Actually, we don't have enough time on the show for you to try and come up with that other combo because there isn't one. But whether Chris Carson is the answer or not, I mean that's hard. That's hard to say. Um, I know that. I, oh, Tyree Hill and who else? Uh, Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah, I, he's not a receiver. He's not a receiver. I, I said. I said. I said, I said receiving duo. They had Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hartman. I oh, Sammy Watkins, quick. I can line up every receiver in that part. Nicole uh, Hartman, uh, 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 uh. No. It's not quite the receiving duo as uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But back to – I digress. Back to the uh, answer to the question. Is Carlos – Jefferson is me, Is Chris Carson the answer? No. No. He's not. He's not. Come on, man. That's insulting. Chris Carson may or may not be the answer. Um, he is a hard runner, and they, by their actions, firing their offensive coordinator, have made a commitment to recommitting to the run, and that the less, excuse me, the let Russ Cook philosophy is pretty much out the window. So, um, is he the answer at running back? I don't know. He's as good as they have right now, um, and I don't see them getting anything in the draft. They they could have addressed it in the draft last year. They passed on Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. I was kind of surprised they passed on both of those guys. So um, they certainly felt that Chris Carson was adequate going into the season. Um, I think his price tag will dictate which direction they go with regards to the running back situation, but a uh, commitment to the run is definitely coming back. So you'll see more of the old Seahawks than you will this uh, eight-game season, or rather the first eight games that you saw this season with regards to a commitment to the run, I think. Okay. All right, Seahawks fans, already look at the next year. I like that. Was that good Buccaneers or bad football team? Oh, man, good Buccaneers team. I was extremely disappointed that Chase Young was not able to back up all that bravado. I didn't see a whole lot of that pass rush that he said was coming, and uh, without that, Tom felt quite comfortable. I mean, once you get a little bit of a lead on those guys, you know it's going to be a challenge for them to score points. So, uh, good, you know, Tampa Bay victory, you know, following the blueprint, getting ahead early and just keeping, you know, your foot on the pedal. Yeah, that was a good win by the Buccaneers. I mean, they uh, had everybody playing well, even without uh, the star running back. Fournette came in and played and played good. Um, the receivers obviously played well. You had a scare from Mike Evans, thinking he may or may not come back to the game. He came back and was just as successful as he was early in the game. So that was a good team win for the for the Buccaneers, and we'll see how they do this week. But um, Ravens and Titans. 
was that good Lamar or bad Ryan Tannehill? I want to, I'd like for you to explain your answer just that fashion, sir. Oh, sure. It was, it was definitely good Lamar Jackson. He was looking like his MVP self. Uh, ran all over the place. I think he ran for over 100 yards, uh, threw for over 200, found his receivers when they were open, uh, made the defense uh, continue to play honest. And, you know, unfortunately, it was just a little bit of uh, you know, an uphill battle for Ryan Tannehill without that uh, sustainable running game that he was used to. Derrick Henry was not his, uh, you know, his usual self, and they had a game plan for kind of stopping him and, uh, you know, kind of making the other players beat them. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Ryan Tannehill lost his number one, uh, you know, weapon in Corey Davis. And after that, it was just, you know, it was just going to be a struggle, you know, going forward. So uh, definitely a, you know, good win for Baltimore Ravens and a great performance by Lamar Jackson. Yeah, uh, solid, solid win for the Ravens over the Titans. You know, we saw Ryan Tannehill revert back to an old self there late in the game and, the Ravens' defense, who had been playing that great all season long, stepped up when they needed and leaded the and held the NFL's rushing leader to under 50 yards in that game. So that was very impressive by them guys as well. Was that good Saints or bad Bears? Good Saints. That was the Bears that we expected. Um, they just didn't have a whole lot going in, and you know Trubisky and. Uh, you know, Allen Robinson was somewhat hobbled, you know, did the best he could. And, you know, when they, you know, ran trick plays, they, you know, dropped, dropped passes. So it's unfortunate uh, they just didn't really have enough to go in and without making, you know, those surprise plays, uh, you know, just didn't look good for them. So good Saints. Uh, yeah. How do you feel about your Super Bowl prediction now? Well, one of the teams that I picked is is no longer a candidate, so um, I still feel good about the Kansas City Chiefs making the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, the other pick that I made, the Seattle Seahawks, will not be a representative of the NFC, so, yeah, I I feel that way about it. Um, If I had to plug and play another team to, you know, kind of get there at this point, um, it would be the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Um, you know, looking back at uh, Week 18 power supremacy rankings, somehow Seattle was ranked number five uh, in in their rankings this, that uh, that week. Just a couple, not even a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, and as we know, Seattle would be at home like you and I watching the games. Uh, a quick review of our confidence picks for Week One in the NFL playoffs. I had Tennessee winning. I had Seattle winning. Both both of those teams obviously let me down. I had Seattle or Tennessee was a one point. Seattle was three points. So uh, that was that was a stunner there. Um, Cleveland, you picked Seattle, and you only gave them one point of confidence. You also picked Tennessee, gave them two points of confidence, and you had Pittsburgh at three points of confidence, and they all lost. So you're seventy. You got um, nine points on from Buffalo and New Orleans, the highest picks. I got my, I got points for Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans. So leading this particular category as we head into week number eighteen in the NFL. 
Um, the picks we, we talked about all the games though. Uh, the games that we got wrong according to spreadsheet, Cleveland. We both had Seattle. We both had Tennessee. I had Tampa Bay over the Washington football team. And you want to explain to the folks why you possibly picked the Washington football team over 43-year-old Tom Brady? Sure, because uh, Tom Brady's kryptonite is a strong pass rush, which is exactly what the Washington football team had been uh, demonstrating over the last five or six weeks of the season. Um, I thought that they're all world can do everything defensive lineman Chase Young was a man of his word and that he wanted Tom Brady and that he was going to harass that dude and make it very difficult. Those things did not happen, but that was the uh, logic and philosophy going in. Yeah, they were triple and double and triple teaming um, my man, so he couldn't get to he couldn't get to uh, Tom Brady. Uh, Brady made sure that slide the defense, uh, defense, the blocking protection over his way. He made sure that that was a good coach game by Brady, and then a well played game by Brady as well. So kudos to him for pulling that game out. And as they move on to the next round of the playoffs. Um, so that was the one game that we had we differed on and that I want to point he didn't so that's uh, three out of six for me two out of six for you from coaches um, excuse me as a tally for this first week of the NFL playoffs I actually only had one pick correct out of out of uh, the three game spread I had Washington plus eight I had the Tennessee plus three and a half, which is you know that didn't matter. They didn't need they didn't need that. And I had uh, Pittsburgh minus six and a half, and obviously they got crushed. You know, you had the football team. I think that was a spot a spot on, and the Saints won big. So good work out of you, sir. Um. Looking into this week, uh, we have the same picks, actually, this week. Same picks, same order. Obviously, the difference is going to be our confidence picks. I have Kansas City, 5, New Orleans, 4, Green Bay, 3, Buffalo, 2. You have KC, 5, Green Bay, 4, New Orleans at three points confidence, and then Buffalo two. So you have your your teams mixed around in the confidence pick for the year or for the uh, next game anyway. So uh, so looks like you're you're on the right side, and that stuff will come back and get you. So fans, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, love talking football here. That's actually the origin of the show. And with playoff winding down, we'll still have a lot of football talking when draft time comes around, you know, who's hot, who's not. By then we know who, which players or see which coaches are coaching and, and where they are so we can give you more insight about the teams and the players at that point. But, Cleveland, thanks for that segment. Thanks for your participation. And uh, you're going to have a hard time uh, beating me this week. Well, you have a hard time beating me every week, but this week in particular. Um Let's take a let's take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the NBA story. You know, like I said, there's a big trade in the NBA. We're going to talk about the how COVID is impacting the teams. We got uh, Kyrie Irving's in the news once again, so stay tuned, fans. We got a lot of 
NBA's content that we're going to go over and get Mr. Cleveland on field for, and we look at forward to talking with you soon, Cleveland. Hold tight. What's good? What's good? What's good, fans? Thank you guys for tuning in to Voice of the Fans podcast. As always, man, we do NFL topics. We got NBA topics. We got what's good in history topics. We got quotes to inspirational quotes to get you guys fired up. So thanks for sticking with us. This segment we're going to talk about the NBA and the NBA had to postpone three games last night due to COVID reasons. Cleveland. I know you're concerned for your health as well as the health of others. Do you think the vaccine will keep the vaccine in America will keep the NBA player from having to go play in a bubble? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I definitely think that it will keep them from having to go playing in a bubble when they're able to get it. But, you know, NBA players are kind of far down on the list and, um, the admission of the vaccine to the general public has been extremely slow to this point. So um, I, I don't think that it will be a factor this year one way or the other. Okay. We, well, how do you handle COVID? Do you just continue to postpone games or how do you handle this? Um, you keep the protocol as strict as you, as you possibly can. Um you have to have a certain amount of confidence and faith in the players that they understand the uh, seriousness of what's going on and will act accordingly. Um, other than that, you you understand that the other alternative is to put them all in a bubble, which was extremely effective. But at this point, you would rather have the teams playing in their own cities and doing their own thing, adverse making them all succumb to that type of supervision. So hopefully they understand the the severity of what's going on and they act accordingly. Um, but you're going to have these type of situations and scenarios present themselves because there's just not a lot of control over what it is they're doing. So when you say the players didn't want to go in a bubble and then you hope that they're doing the right thing, um, did you hear with or did you hear what point guard Great Hill, I think what the Pacers had to say is, like, I don't want to be locked down. We're grown men. I want to be able to go out and spend some time with some family, with some friends. I don't want to have to be staying in a hotel room and can't really have guests and do anything. I, that's not the, what we signed up for. And he was disappointed by that. What, what's your thoughts on George Hill and his comments? Uh, disappointing to hear him talk that way. Um, certainly people that make millions of dollars should be um, flexible enough to make concessions when it comes to dealing with a pandemic that's sweeping the entire globe um, and his own personal feelings shouldn't take that type of precedence with regards to how he acts. So um, it's unfortunate to hear that kind of talk, but um, at the same time, it's not surprising. Okay. Appreciate your candidness there, sir. So we we had some trade a trade a trade a big trade this weekend or this week excuse me just yesterday in fact James Harden the disgruntled player for the Houston Rockets 
told them a few weeks ago that he wanted to get out. And just last night, after a ridiculous press conference that Harden had saying that the team is a good team, or it's a great team, great chemistry, they just don't have the talent on the team, and they're probably going to go as far as they're going to go, which is they don't play gold cups in the stadium. So uh, what's your thoughts on Harden being traded to the Nets in the four-team deal? Jared Allen apparently is going to the Cavaliers. The Pacers are relieving, uh, are receiving Jared Lever- uh, Levert from the Brooklyn Nets, and they're actually sending their scorer Victor Oladipo to to play down south. What's your thoughts on the trade? And to play, Victor's going to Houston, actually, excuse me. Um, what's your thoughts on this trade? Who wins from this trade? And are you more interested in basketball this season because of this trade? Uh, well, a couple of things, Cam. You know, what really kind of, you know, um, was the final nail in the coffin with regards to James Harden leaving Houston was uh, one LeBron James. Um hitting a three-pointer, and then turning his back to the basket as his uh, teammates cheered in joy watching the ball go down um, as the Houston Rockets lost by 17 to the Los Angeles Lakers. That is um, what prompted him to have the press conference where he said, we're just not good enough. This is crazy. We'll never get anything done here, and, and I'm upset here, which kind of accelerated the uh, the trade talks, which has completely changed the landscape, you know, the landscape of the league. Imagine LeBron James hitting a three pointer, completely changing the landscape of the league. Crazy. Now that t- that being said, um, he's not a good fit in Brooklyn. There's only one basketball, and there's a Kevin Durant, a James Harden, and a Kyrie Irving that all need it. None of them is mentally strong. Um, they're all prima donnas and they're all about attention and numbers. So the trade is not going to work out in the long term. It has nothing to do with talent. It has nothing to do with ability. It has everything to do about mindset and the ability to sacrifice as a superstar. Lastly, Houston did not get fair value, but you very rarely get fair value when you trade a superstar because you know what the superstar is worth. I think the closest thing that I've ever seen um, in modern uh, NBA basketball was when uh, the Lakers traded Shaq. They got the Holy Quran, they got Lamar Odom, and they got another really good piece in that deal and a couple picks. So, I mean, that's like the best you can do. So, Unfortunately, we play in, or they play in an NBA now that um, after pick 15, it's kind of a crapshoot whether you're going to get a starter or not after that pick. So getting a bunch of Brooklyn picks is not that great because they're all going to be in the, you know, mid to late 20s. So you're probably not going to get a, you know, an outstanding player at that position, at that, uh, at that pick, but at the same time. A difference maker. Yeah, 
a difference maker, but you, you know, you certainly have assets to do other things. So that's positive. Um, and we'll see what Victor Oladipo can do. You know, Victor Oladipo, John Wall backcourt is something that I'm sure no one ever really envisioned when, you know, kind of drawing things up, but interesting to see how that, uh, that whole thing plays out. And, um, you know, given the fact that the Houston Rockets were able to be the San Antonio Spurs this, this evening without, you know, quite a few of those players shows kind of like the uh, relief that they feel without having the James Harden cloud hanging over their head anymore. Um, the Marcus Cousins and John Wall both uh, went uh, in on him pretty, pretty tough um, in his departure. So um, they're certainly not uh, – you know, crying over spilled milk, so to speak, and they're happy to uh, have a fresh start and see what they can do. So I think uh, overall, I think ultimately the Houston Rockets, uh, you know, gained by their subtraction. I think that the Brooklyn Nets have added another headache that they're not really anticipating. And I just don't see Kyrie, KD, and James Harden all meshing together as a team. So um, um, let me challenge that a little bit. Did Kyrie show up to practice? Did he show up to the facility today? I haven't I mean, seen him, haven't heard from him in weeks. Since, since we haven't, so he's been incognito for a last week and a half, and then we see videos of him out there partying on, on his sister's birthday. and Eating uh, chicken wings like Lou Williams, huh? I mean, I mean, what do you do with Kyrie Irving? We see him, not only do we see see him at a party faceless when, you know, he hasn't talked to his coach or GM. Uh, and we also see him while his team is getting smacked around by the Denver Nuggets. We see Kyrie on a Zoom call uh, with some politicians trying to, you know, drum up some success for for a particular politician. What do you do with Kyrie Irving now? If I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I – ask around the league and, you know, see what his value is. Um, it's not – It's he's not a player that you can depend on, um, and you have no idea how he's going to react in any given situation. So he's completely unreliable at this point. There's just – once a player decides that other things outside of what their number one job and priority is – become their priority and that the NBA part of it is secondary, you have a serious, serious problem on your hand. And no one knows what to do with him. No one knows where his head is at. No one knows how to reach him. So if you don't even have the tools to kind of try and put things in, you know, their proper perspective, you're constantly going to be like, man, is Kyrie coming to work today? And you shouldn't have to do that with your $35 million point guard. Exactly. It makes the – I had this conversation last night. It makes things – it makes the situation worse is that he is the, the point guard. If he was a center, if he was, uh, you know, and I'm not saying Joel B has the same attitude, but if he was Joel B, if he was um, – you know, let's throw let's throw some names up there. Uh, another power forward uh, in the game. If Kevin Garnett would be the wrong type of player. Complete. Yeah, if he was if he was if he was Zion Williamson. If he was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, if he was a big Jason Tatum. Well, no, 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 not Tatum or or Antetokounmpo, but I'm saying if he's a big man, 
you can kind of play without him. You know, you may struggle playing without a, uh, an Embiid, but he he doesn't have the ball in his hands. He's not he's not making sure this guy gets shots or he gets the shot. He's not making sure this guy gets in position or or does he get the, you know the point guard is so much more responsible for many more things on a basketball court that when you have this personality as your point guard, um, you're gonna struggle. It's it's gonna be bad. Uh, good. Good thing for Kevin Durant that they did. Uh, good thing for Brooklyn and Kevin Durant that they actually were able to get Harden in the fold because now Hart, uh, Kevin Durant is less likely to leave, whereas if Kyrie stayed around, as you already mentioned, nobody can count on this guy, so chances of him leaving were chances of KD leaving and saying, well, it was a mistake to, to pitch a wagon with this guy. Um, are, are slimmer now, and this may sound weird, Cleveland. What I'm about to say, but you know, um, from past experience, I have great takes, and what I say makes a lot of sense. So um, it would only sound weird if if you're a huge Kyrie fan. The Brooklyn Nets, as you know, I slated the Brooklyn Nets and had them going to the NBA Finals just off of what I saw in the first game of the season, what they played in the first game of the season. Now things have things have changed slightly um, because they've been playing as consistently. Uh, that's with Kyrie and KD playing. Think they've been a little off kilter. What I would say about this trade, the way I see this working, it is Kyrie is not involved. If it's James Harden and Kevin Durant, I think they can figure it out. They can get along and they can play well. I think if Kyrie is involved somehow, I think that's when it doesn't work. Um, I, 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 I think that's when it doesn't work. Uh, there was a video, I think. Did you see the video that was posted of hot, what was it? It was hot uh, hot oil, frying oil, and <laughs> being the Knicks, or being the Nets, excuse me, and then things change when you throw a frozen fr- French fry into the hot, to the um, boiling oil. You know, you, it starts popping and everything. <laughs> you start popping and you know what happens, throw water into uh, oil. How it just, everything starts popping and things go, cra- go crazy there for a second. I think inviting Kyrie into this mix where you have James Harden and, and Kevin Durant trying to get along is a bad – that would be a bad look. That is the reason that situation would not work is if Kyrie remains involved. If, so I'm trying to get – I'm trying to call around and say, Charlotte, Portland, Utah, um, um, Minnesota, Golden State, no, not go to state. Minnesota, uh, Sacramento. Um, hell, I call up Dallas. It, although that would be a bad fit in Dallas. Um, I'm calling around to these. See, 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 see where you're going wrong here with this, Cam. You're calling around asking for a good fit for Kyrie Irving, and nobody knows what a good fit for Kyrie Irving even looks like. Well, no, I'm he doesn't. Okay. He doesn't want to be the no, no, no. He doesn't want to be the leader. He doesn't want to be second fiddle. He doesn't want basketball to be his number one priority. So, 
you're asking, you're, you're looking around like, man, what is a good, where could Kyrie land and be a good fit? And when your answer is it's nowhere, then I understand your addition by subtraction in Brooklyn, but you have to find a suitor that's willing to do it. It's not going to be a veteran team because veterans don't respect him. It's, gonna, it's not going to be a young team because he won't respond and he won't lead them. So you're left just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And so is that Minnesota? And like to your point earlier is is what you said is just kind of gauge the temperature and see who has any soft or, or hard interest in, in Kyrie. And whoever has, you know, a modicum of interest. But, but that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Why would anyone have any interest in him and no one knows anything about him? Nobody knows what they're going to get. They know that they're – that. In his shell, in his body, in his form, he's one of the most talented players in the league. But you never know when he's going to show up. You never know why he's going to show up. You never know why he's not going to show up. You don't know what's the best fit for him. You don't know if he needs veterans, young players, shooters, spacers. You don't know what he needs. And neither does he. Yeah, yeah. it's a tough tale. Maybe hell, maybe he called New Orleans. You have a, a veteran coach. You have some young talent. Maybe you call New Orleans and see if they're interested. But I don't know. I'm trying to do what I can to get Kyrie out of Brooklyn. You know, if he wants to, if he wants to call it quits and retire, great. If he wants to be a political uh, justice um, voyeur now, fantastic. Kyrie, go do you, man. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to. I, I might pay his contract <laughs> this season. Um, just for him not to show up because that would be so volatile. What, and now, the, yeah, the, now the, one of the places I can kind of sort of think of is Miami. I just don't think he's strong enough to go there. I think Jimmy Butler and the culture that they're building down there would would crush that dude. So that's not even a good fit. Yeah, if I was Miami, I'm not going to want to give up Tyler Hero, uh, uh, Duncan Robinson, and you know it would take one of those guys. Um, you know, I'm not asking for a haul, but I'm asking for at least a, de- a half decent player. Uh, yeah. And in, in that situation, I want one or I want at least one of those guys. I'm not saying I'm getting both. I want at least one of them. And then if I'm Miami, I'm not sure I'm getting, giving up either one of those guys for uh, a unknown. Kyrie unknown. Irving. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And the so unknown. It, it's a it's it's a it's a real difficult situation, and it's crazy that we have. Uh, uh, NBA champion, you know, former NBA champion in this situation where you just don't know what, what, what's up with them, and you know, it's 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 kind of unfortunate, actually. Yeah, it's um, embarrassing is, is the word you're looking for, but yeah, yeah, yeah it, it is, it is actually. Um, this week, man, Kevin Durant. We have to give a shout out to Kevin Durant. He passes, moves to twenty eighth. In NBA scoring, he passed in Adrian Dantley, Dwayne Wade. I should ask you. I should have. I, I did this wrong. He passes Adrian Dantley, and now you know Dwayne Wade. But who was right there nipping on Dwayne Wade's heels? Do you know? I do not know. Enlightening camp. Uh, Seattle University's own Elgin Baylor. Ooh. Yeah. One of the greatest to ever do it. So Kevin Durant just leapfrog all three of those guys to become number twenty eighth in, in, in scoring in the NBA. 
Uh, Cleveland, one of the exciting things about the NBA this year is one of the exciting players is LaMelo Ball. Um, what do you think about LaMelo? What have you seen in LaMelo? And what do you think about LaMelo? His, uh, his jumper is actually going down. Um, he, his passing and his vision on the court is, is exquisite. A youngest player to get a triple double, triple double he recorded earlier this this weekend or this week. What's your thoughts on Lamelo Ball? What's going on there in in Charlotte? And is this by far Jordan's best pick? Um, it's probably by far Jordan's best pick. He does not have a great history with his actual picks. Um, Kimba was okay, but. Uh, I like his versatility. I like the fact that they're kind of bringing him along slowly and not asking him to be, uh, you know, the savior or the leader of this team. Fortunately, he came at the same time that Gordon Hayward did, who had a little bit to prove and um, has been playing well also. So um, I'm I'm surprised with uh, the uh, impact he's been able to have, you know, to this point. Um I don't want to say he's better than Lonzo, but he's he's looking like he might be. He's looking like he might. He's already might be better than Lonzo. He certainly shoots better, and um, I think he's got a better feel for the game. Whereas, you know, Lonzo always looks like he's lost because his biggest handicap is he can't shoot. So, and he knows that you know teams play him um, in that way. So his ability to impact the game in other ways is somewhat uh, limited because he can't shoot. Whereas Lamelo is kind of starting to find his way a little bit. It's early. Um, we'll see if he's able to adjust to the league or if the league adjusts to him. But, uh, you know, I won't say pleasantly surprised because I'm not really a, you know, necessarily a, a fan either way of Lamelo, but surprised that he's been able to have uh, this type of success early. I wouldn't say surprise. It's re- it's refreshing and it's good to see. Um, you know, coming from the background that he has and the history that he's had, it's good to see him actually come in the league and, and live up to some of the hype, if you will. Uh, have getting the triple, the youngest guy to get a triple double uh, was pretty cool. What's even better is that he almost did it the night before, and he was intent on getting it the next night. Um, so that was kudos to him. Uh, like we say, hopefully. Borrega, Coach Borrega, you know, continues to use him properly and develop the kid so he can be successful down the line. So um, we'll see how things continue to transpire with those Charlotte Hornets. But uh, it's good for them. Looks like they got a good player. Let's see how long that he remains this quality player that they got. Uh, Cleveland, we had um, – you know, any other stories in the NBA that we talk about, man? We talked about Durant. We talked about KD. We talked about Harden going to um, the Nets. We talked about COVID issue in basketball. Uh, outside of that, I think it was kind of a, a slow week, man, in, in the sports game. We do have our – or yeah, we do have our updated supremacy rankings for the NBA, and I'll run through those real quick. Um, I have the 76ers number one in the East. Celtics, Bucks, Pacers, and I still have the Nets. They haven't fell completely off. I think that trade is, is kind of uh, is why they stayed on my top five in the East. 
In the West, I have uh, the Lakers. I have the Clippers number two, the Jazz, Suns, and Mavericks. Do you want to riddle off your uh, supremacy rankings? Uh, sure, Sam. I I have the uh, Celtics at one, the Sixers at two, uh, Giannis, just like you, at number three. Uh, I have the Charlotte Hornets that we aforementioned, um, you know, kind of wow. playing really good ball at number wow. four and kind of trying to make a move. And I haven't quite uh, lost faith in the Heat just yet, although I'm probably being a little bit premature. I think that they're coming on a little bit later. Maybe not number five right now at present, but, you know, maybe reaching a little bit on that one. In the uh, Western Conference, uh, the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers are number one. Move along. Uh, That's it? That's it? You don't need nobody else? You don't mention anybody? That that end. That end. That end. <laughs> Man. No, so uh, there were two. I have the Utah Jazz. They're starting to move up. They're playing some good ball. You had them at three. I got them at two. The Portland Trailblazers also went on a little bit of run. Uh, that backcourt again is probably the back, the best backcourt in the NBA. CJ and Dame Dollar, and now they got a uh, Gary Trent Jr. getting healthy coming off the bench. So yeah, they're at number three. I had the Clippers at number four. And then I have the uh, Phoenix Suns at uh, number five, which you had number four, interestingly enough. Huh. The Clippers, the Clippers, well, that's the growth of, that's the infusion of CP3, the eight, the, the under eight, and then the growth of uh, somebody who continued to grow there in the Phoenix, who, uh, Booker, continued to grow. So uh, he, he's he's like he was in a bubble. But you have the Blazers, man. You you call them the best backcourt in the in the NBA? Are you kidding me? You, so you never heard of a kid called uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? You never heard of either one of those guys? Oh my goodness! Really? Is, is that is that what you're calling a backcourt these days? Which, I mean, which, which one of which which one of them is the, which one of them is the point guard? Uh, well, Paul George. Is the one the guy who leads? The, oh, Paul George is the point guard. No wonder you guys are not are, are, are having the, the uh, issues you're having. If that's your uh, point guard, he's leading the he's leading the team in assists. So Paul George is your point guard then? No, I didn't say he's my point guard, but he's his his playmaking. Okay, so Kawhi Leonard's your point guard. No, well, again, they both. Okay, so neither one of those guys is your point guard. So that that can't possibly be a better backcourt than the one I just mentioned. Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum. I think yeah. Paul George just cooked these guys a couple of days ago. Okay, so with with neither one of those guys actually running the point. Uh, they had Pat Bev running the point, and so that, oh, that okay, that, that okay, wow, one of those guys. Okay, so 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 then your 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 comparison would be Pat Bev and Paul George as opposed to Kawhi and Paul George. Well, yeah, that'd be a better that's a better comparison. Yeah. That's a better backcourt comparison, then, right? Yeah. So then again, my my statement still stands: the best backcourt in the NBA. All right, we'll we'll talk about this one next next week. I'll I'll, I'll have to explain how these how these positions work to you um, off air, so that you you don't say stuff like that on the air anymore. <laughs> you know, the game's moving to positionless basketball. Oh, and, for real? Yeah. Okay. So the best backcourt is in Portland. The end. Uh, uh, as Dylan Rose always states, 
uh, positions were made for now. The only backcourt that you can even name would be Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, and that's 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 you know to be determined. That's still a work in progress. Certainly, the talent is there, but man, and now you got your Kyrie James Harden. We'll see how that works out. But for right now, yeah, it's Dame Dollar and CJ, man. Uh, quietly, I heard that uh, Bradley Beal isn't happy. I thought that would work out a little bit better than has, but apparently Bradley Beal's not happy with the way things are transpiring there in Washington. Well, I mean, when you go for 61 and you lose, and then you come back and go for 41 and you lose, so yeah, it, it starts to wear on you a little bit. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of interesting there. So, Cleveland, we're going to leave it there, man. Great NBA topics, man. When we come back, we're going to give the fans what they want in the this week in history topics, and I got to add some to the book, so I got to add some in there real quick. But we're going to talk about this week in history, and then actually we're going to uh, try to follow up on the College Football National Championship and the outcome of that. And I, then I got a kind of a comical story that I want to share with you as Bama's receivers run wide open down the field, kind of. <laughs> what what is the linebacker were thinking when that happened? So let's take a little break here, Cleveland. We're gonna come back. And we're gonna uh, wrap up the show in our next segment. Now let's take a little break here. Hey fans, one thank you guys for tuning into our Voice of the Fans podcast as you do each and every week. We appreciate the love. Please make sure to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend about our show. Additionally, I'd like to ask that you guys subscribe to our Voice of the Fans YouTube page. Go to YouTube, type in Voice of the Fans, hit the subscribe button. What you're going to find there is a lot of exclusive content. Interviews between Greg Popovich and myself, Scott Farrell, Sports Talk host, and myself. You're going to hear my conversation with Emmett Smith. Hear why he tells me to go do some research. You're also going to see my interview with Jim Brown, legendary Jim Brown. You're going to see my interviews with Eric Dickerson. You're going to see my interview with Terrell Davis. Hear why Terrell Davis says that Broncos running system was not a system. Hear his explanation of that. Once again, Voice of the Fans on YouTube page, Check it out again. Tell a friend to tell a friend because we appreciate that love. Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, thank you for making our voice your choice. What's good? What's good? What's good, fans? Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, the Voice of the Fans podcast. We appreciate you chiming in and being part of the show. One of the more popular segments of the show is uh, This Week in History. we got some history that happened. Some of the things that happened this week, we just want to keep you abreast of, kind of give a shout-out to some of our ancestors, and then a memory of some of the things that happened within the world of football, so, or the world of sports, I should say. Um, Cleveland, 1869, January 13th, the Black Labor Convention Colored National Labor Union was formed. Back in 1869, June 16, 1955, first black sheriff, Lucius D. Emerson, was sworn in, making Alabama first black sheriff. I don't think he lasts longer down there, if my memory should be correct. Mm. 1948, plastic helmets were prohibited in the NFL. 
Can you believe they were wearing plastic helmets at one time? Wow. Um, <laughs> back in 1972, Cleveland, and, and you probably remember this. This week, back in 1972, there was one NFL team, the only NFL team ever to go undefeated in the regular season and then win their playoff games and not lose the game all season long was crowned Super Bowl champion. Cleveland, which team was that? Man, you know, Cam, that was the Miami Dolphins back in 1972. Yeah, I said that, so 1972 is what I said, yeah. I, I just wanted to reiterate the point that you were already making. It was in 1972. Okay. Oh well, well. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That was a good year, by the way. Um, Seventy-two. In nineteen fifty-one, the first NFL Pro Bowl was played. NFL's All Star Game, the Pro Bowl, was played back in Los Angeles, nineteen fifty-one. And something tells me, Cleveland, we might have seen our our final pro game, our Pro Bowl for the NFL was being played a couple couple years ago. So if they don't play the Pro Bowl, just want to throw this out there. If they do not play the Pro Bowl anymore, because the the game has moved past it, the guys don't compete, what have you, should they bring the superstars competition back, or should they bring the agility? Uh, what do they call it? The agility drills, all that, all that back. So they have uh, the superstars weekend, and then they have the Black football like they had in the sand before Andre. Uh, no, 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 no. Robert Edwards, Edwards uh, tore Robert his knee Edwards. apart uh, in a very gruesome way. So that's never coming back. Uh, it would be the skills competition, if anything. Uh, but, yeah, no more no more uh, sand football. We, we've seen just how catastrophic that can be. So, yeah, no, none of that. Okay. So skills competition, you want to see the – the route running, you want to see what, what the running backs do. Uh, agility test. I, 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 I want to I want to see how how you throw the football through the tire at twenty yards, thirty yards. I want to see uh you know can you make the one handed catch from here from there, you know those those, those kind of things you know. Okay, that's 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 quarterbacks and and, and receivers. What do you have running backs do? Do their agility? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to say. We got We got to come up with some stuff for them, but uh, you know. Okay. You know, I the, think they uh, run the tires, run under the bars. Um, you know, yeah, but that that gets kind of old because that's just like the combine. I mean, you don't want them just come out of here and just do a combine workout, right? So let's let's have it let's have it be a little bit more, you know, uh, a competitive and b entertaining than that. But uh, you know, it's still some still some work to be done. But uh, like you're saying, I don't know how many times they're just going to lace them up and just. You know the best players uh, in the NFL. You know playing football against each other. That's yeah, counterproductive um, to what the NFL is trying to do. So, okay, um, kind of threw us off there. But 1966, Robert C. Weaver became the first black presidential cabinet member back in 1966. So Cleveland. Bama rolls again on Sunday, or on Monday, excuse me. Does this make Nick Saban the greatest college football coach of all time? Yes. 
unequivocally. He, he surpasses Jimmy Johnson. He surpasses your guy, Pete Carroll. He surpasses our coach out that in, in Nebraska. Uh, he surpasses Bear Bryant. Switzer, Wilkinson, yeah. Newt Rockney, all those guys. Paterno, all those guys, yeah. He's the best ever. Okay. You know, it's hard to argue. Shit, seven, seven championships, six with one team, right? Six in the last 13 years. They're pretty impressive. Pretty, pretty freaking impressive. Draft projections. Who? Devontae Smith. Like, it's, I find it kind of hard to gauge not only his speed, not only his competitiveness. I mean, he, he had 12, 12 catches, 250 yards. That's, I mean, that's unbelievable. And in one half before it came down with a dislocated finger and didn't play the whole second half. You know, that's pretty amazing in itself. But it didn't look like he was pressured much during that game. It doesn't look like any uh, pressure was applied to him. And shame on the Ohio State Buckeyes for allowing him to just kind of run freely through their defense. What, how did you see that, or did you see that? And what's your thoughts on Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, player of the national player, offensive player of the the game during the national championship game in 2021? What's your thoughts on his performance? Had an impressive season. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner, had an impressive game, um, certainly has a, a tremendous uh, upside in the amount of the, uh, ability. Um, but this happens a lot of times on powerhouse teams. Um, you just don't have enough players that are talented enough to cover them. And the offense that you're a part of is just far too talented. So, you know, you have an opportunity to break wide open because the other, you know, because the defense is looking at a few too many things. And um, we have, you know, skilled players at those positions uh, that are going to go to the pros. Um, you can look beautiful. You can look fantastic. And Devontae Smith certainly uh, took advantage of that. Do you see him what, – what is the closer comparison? A Sterling Sharp? Marvin Harrison and Jerry Rice, and all three of those guys I think are different type of receivers. But which is the closest comparison would you compare him? I've heard this past week he'd be compared to all three of these receivers. Um, do you think is he compared favorably any one of these receivers? I think of those three, the, the closest uh, comp would be Marvin Harrison, um, and I'm not sure he runs routes the same way Marvin did. Um, certainly not as big and strong as Sterling. So uh, and not as uh, elite as Jerry Rice. So um, I guess Marvin Harrison would be the closest comp of those three. Do the Dolphins? What do the What do the Dolphins do? Do they take Devontae Smith at number three? Do they take the lineman out of Oregon, or do they take? Chase out of LSU. Well, that's an excellent question, Camlet. Let me uh, let me help you out with that. Um, the lineman from Oregon is not going to be there at number three, so you can just go ahead and get that out of your head. So then the question just becomes: Is he better than you know 
Jamar Chase, and perhaps you forgot what Chase was able to do last year on that national championship LSU team, and which player do you think is better? Um, you know, truth be told, I'm not really sure Devontae Smith is the best receiver on his on his team, uh, much less uh, the player that you want to pick at number three. But you guys have had such success with going with those high draft picks from Alabama in the recent uh, past. I mean, I, I see no reason why you can't just add a Devontae Smith to that uh you know, potent arsenal down there in the 305. Go ahead and go with that one and let uh, Chase, you know, roll on over and play with uh, Burrow in Cincinnati and see how that goes. Well, because there was some continuity, uh, apparent continuity, you know, he was on the receiving end of a two-a-tongue of a lower touchdown pass from some years ago. And, again, when he was running wide open down the field for whatever reason, um, Maybe Tua has the confidence to throw it up to this kid, uh, as opposed to some of these other receivers that he doesn't have the same familiarity with. Uh, so that'd be a reason uh, that a heavy reason why we lean to the, lean that way. Considering, you know, we don't trade the pick and get Deshaun Watson here in, in, before the week is out. Um, when you say he may not be the best receiver on the team. I can only think of one guy who is probably a better receiver and one guy who probably showed some toughness, some heart, some commitment by even suiting up to play on on Monday night. Is, is, are you talking about Waddle, Jalen Waddle? Uh, yeah, I am talking about Jalen Waddle. He has uh, better measurables, runs a, a faster 40 time, and was the, uh, you know, I guess, quote-unquote what – Devontae Smith ended up being in his absence, that's that's who he was supposed to be. So, yeah, that's who I'm referring to. Um, unfortunately, there are some players down, or rather there are some people down there in Tuscaloosa that um, did not allow him to uh, stay out of his own way and uh, thought oh. that the greater glory of the Alabama Crimson Tide was more important than you know, his future. So allowed him to play in a game that he probably shouldn't have played in, and it was visibly apparent by his lack of physical uh, performance. But, uh, you know, he's a warrior. So so let me ask you a question. Did his stock rise or fall from him playing on on Monday Monday night? We won't know. We won't know till, till, till we see the, uh, the, the outcome of, of, of the game. Of, of what those injuries may or may not have been. No, no, no. We we know we know today if his stock rose or if it fell because he put him playing. We already know that he didn't get injured. He he just wasn't able to perform at his peak performance. No, he no he did injure himself, Cam. He did injure himself playing in that game. What injury did you hear about? Oh, I, I saw him pull up lame on the sideline. Did you not see that? Or I, I saw, I saw again. I saw him not being able to perform at his peak level. So you, so did you see him pull up lame on the sideline or no? I, I did, I did, yes. I, okay. But after that, he. So he you saw that then. The so then you saw him injure himself in the national championship game. I saw him get back in the game as well. So whether I saw him pull up lame, whether that was fatigue, whether that was. Uh, you know, his body was hurt a little bit from being pushed so 
push so to the limit of what it took to get back to that level and then perform. You know, maybe that shed a, he shed a tear or two uh, on the sideline of uh, acknowledging all the work it took to get to that moment. But then when you got the support of your teammates and everybody talking about how committed he was to the team, how committed that that spoke to his man. You know, Cam. The, Cam. The way you're talking, I don't know why they didn't just tape up Devontae Smith's fingers and throw him back out there. Well, you know, he had, he had already done the damage by that time. Oh, he had already <laughs> done it. He already done the damn thing. <laughs> he already done uh, okay. the damn thing. Uh, okay. Yeah. So 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 he had already showcased what he could do. Apparently, Waddle hadn't done that before. And that's why Waddle came back because he runs faster. He runs a four two seven. He's well, bigger than Devontae Smith, and he was he a leading receiver uh, going into the season, playing next to Ruggs last year, and was supposed to be the guy this year. He was supposed to be the guy, yes. But unfortunately, had- injuries happen. That's a part of football, but you don't have to you know, prolong the situation and belabor the point and try and prove things to people that you have nothing to prove to by going out on the field in a national championship game and just – you know, basically ruining your brand. So again, my my question is: Did it stop rise, or did in in football scouts' eyes, him getting out there at let's say seventy eight percent versus a hundred percent, did it stop rise or fall? Which, which I don't think it, I I I would say it. I would say it fell. Because there's more questions with regards oh, to his stop. health and what it is that he'll that he'd be able to do. Stop. Stop it! Whatever questions were answered by the, fo- the, the, the football, the football guys are not, are, are not are not are not patting him on the back for having that kind of you know heart to you know want to play for his team and teammates, you know showing all that emotion and enthusiasm. It's nonsense. All his teammates did. All, all his teammates did in the post game interviews. All his teammates said what a great guy he was to put himself before the team and get, get back out there, or put the team before himself. Excuse me. All the te- all of his teammates, when asked about that, they complimented Jalen Waddle for getting out there and playing. Has not caused his stock to rise. I, I, I the football the football the football people that's do you not feel differently about him. You you are absolutely. They they they, they they have more questions with regards to his health and what it is that they're getting, but they don't feel differently about him as a person. They don't feel better right. about him as a person you're, because you're he, he suited you're up and got out there in the national championship game. That's, you're, that's you're a lie. You're an absolute lie. That you're absolutely insane. And again, you know what? I, I understand, Cleveland. It's tough for you to grasp these concepts of being a team player for actually putting it out there online. It's not. It's not. It's not about being a team player, Cam. It's not about being a team player, Cam. It's 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 about putting yourself in harm's risk when there's so much more to gain on the other end for an entity that would not do the same for you and does nothing but profit from what it is that you do. That I agree with. His his stock did not fall because because he busted his ass to get healthy and get back in the game. His stock did not fall. I promise you with that. I promise you. Oh, it did. Okay. Well, if if his if his if he can't if he can't perform at pro day, he can't go to the combine because of what happened in the national championship game. His stock will fall. Okay. We hold on. Combine is still a month away. Pro days are still probably two months away. 
So okay, I, I think okay. he'll be fine. I think so. Be- you a doctor? What happened to him? Well, if it was a high ankle sprain and he tried to, or he had, he had two. No, you you legs. you saw him on the you saw him on the sidelines, and apparently he has some type of diagnosis um, from you know just what you observed with the naked eye. What happened to him? Yeah, well, he probably was a, a little uh, overexhausted, um, a little spent, a, a little. Oh, emotional. so just just overexhaust cramps. <laughs> go with that <laughs> one. Cramps. cramps, a little emotional. So about, just they're just they're just IV. Just get hydrated, and he'll be just fine. He'd probably be just fine. Okay, well, if that if that's the case, if that's the case, then you're right. His stock probably hasn't dropped. If it's something more than that, then it has. Well, we'll see. It wasn't worth it. Tom Mattel will say, "I asked you to save the date, and we'll come back and have this conversation again." Will Najee Harris be there at number eighteen for Seattle or for the Miami Dolphins to draft? Well, first off, they have Miles Gaskin and uh, Savon Ackman, so I don't think they're really actually looking at a at a running back. Get out of here, man! But even Come if they were out. looking for a, even if they cut were looking out. for a running cut back, um, I'm not 100 percent sold that he will be there. No, he, that shouldn't be a concern try, for the Miami Dolphins right now. You should, that you try to give me you try to give me Miles Gaskin and Ahmed and Savon Ackman, yeah. Come on, man. Cut. <laughs> Got you guys a 10 wins this year, didn't they? Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everything's filling the place. Oh, man. So let, so, let me, so let me get this straight, Ken. You're trying to build the Miami Dolphins offense around Alabama Crimson Tide players. Wow. <laughs> Tua, Tua at the QB and Devontae at the receiver. And now you want to go back and get that running back. And we all know how the Alabama running backs do in the league. Bless Derrick Henry. We all know how they perform, right? Josh, Josh Jacobs. Come on, go ahead and say that, Josh Jacobs. Uh, uh, you, Mark, saw you saw I left him off that list, right? Huh? You saw I left him off that list, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, along with Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson, I left him off the list, too. And I left T.J. Yeldon off the list. Well, uh, the I left, and I left Eddie Lacy off the list. I didn't say, I didn't say Eddie Lacy or, or C.J. Uh, um, man, Najee Harris, bro, I think he's going to be a beast, bro. He didn't he – didn't, mm-hmm. he had he had to sit the bench for uh, two years before he got his opportunity. I think he's ready to go. Who, um, think, right, right, I think, right. Okay. I think he's. I think sure. he's ready to go. Man. Sure, I think he's ready yeah. to go. Okay, and Josh Jacobs has proven to be uh, so so durable and uh, such a you know upstanding gentleman off the field. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, are, are we? I mean, I'm not hiring. Um, Boy Scouts? No, I no, I, I totally, I totally understand. Not, what I'm you're doing is you're recruiting, you, is you recruiting uh, University of Alabama running backs, and like I said, um, just look at the track record. Less Derrick Henry, it's not that impressive, man. Okay, impressive right. in college, gets you lots of production in college. Again, um, Harris doesn't have the miles that the other guys have. So yeah, my question was. My question: Would he be there at number eight, uh, eighteen? And if he was there at number eighteen, I'd have a hard time passing him up. I would have a hard time passing him up, passing him up. But I also would have took uh, uh, Swift 
Devontae Swift out of Georgia last year, and he ended up going to Detroit. So clearly they they weren't listening to me last season in the draft. Um, for a guy who didn't, and, and plus they and plus they already have a strong running game, which they're which they're you know very you know comfortable confident with, and they and they have to you know they have other areas of the team they they should they should address. But if you want to go with a one of them uh, Alabama running backs, go right ahead. Yeah, they need a bell cow back. They don't have that. They have two. Oh, and that's uh, Najee Harris. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Versus versus Gaskin. Gaskin can stay. I, I want Gaskin on my team. Ahmed, he's gonna he's competing for a spot. He he's competing for a spot. I, but I want Gaskin, um, Mister O'Day. And I didn't know Ahmed went to Juanita though. I was impressed by that. So, it, you know. He, he has oh, I'm sorry. I, I did. I did leave Alabama back out. Bo Scarborough. Yeah, yeah. Can throw, can throw, can throw him on the fire as well. Oh, Bo Scarborough. You guys shouldn't have let go. Let Bo Scarborough go. By the way, actually, why? Why are you throwing? Why are you BSing? Oh no, no. We brought him and he played. He played. He played this season. He just got hurt. Like a Bama back. <laughs> so is it they? Is it they get hurt or they're non-productive? Which are you? both. It's both. It's twofold, Cam. It's, 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 it's both of those things. Yeah, it's it, both of those way. things. Yes. They're not very durable. They're not very productive. Less Derek Henry. So, Josh Jacobs, you know, has the most uh, touchdowns for um, a Raider in the organization's history, right? You understand that, right? That, that's, that makes no sense. You, you, you would have to, to quantify he that. What to, do you mean? He has the most touchdowns than anybody in two seasons than any running back, Raider running back, in their first two years with the team. And, I mean, they have a – I'm sure you can name a couple of running backs that the Raiders have had that play for them, right? It's really, that's a ridiculous statistic. It means absolutely yeah. nothing. How is it ridiculous? <laughs> what do you want your running back to do? You want your running back to score touchdowns, Right. He has he has scored the most more than anybody who's played in the Raider uniform in their first two seasons. How is that a ridiculous stat? Did, did Josh Jacobs even get a thousand yards last year? Uh, after after the few ooh, years. see see how I stumped you on that one. You gotta look that up. I gotta I gotta look at that one. But yeah, no, yeah there's some research. You don't you don't want to talk out of turn, right? He got he got hurt. He got hurt, so he sat out a few games. He got hurt. He got he hurt. Got hurt. He gets hurt, huh? He gets he hurt, hurt, huh? He got hurt to your point. But can you name a couple running running Raiders running backs? I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can think uh, think about it for a second. Come up with just a couple Raiders running backs. If you can't, let me help you out. Have you heard of the game? Yeah, your dude, your dude, your dude got a thousand and sixty-five yards. Congratulations, oh. man. Oh, okay. Have Have you heard of a guy named Marcus Allen? Have you heard of that guy? I have. Guy? I have. Have you heard of Mr. Have you heard of Mr. Bo Jackson? Have you heard of him by chance? Okay. Come on. Don't you know, you know, but you know, you know, Bo doesn't count. Only playing half a season, two two seasons. Come on, you know, Bo doesn't count. So Not for a record like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Come on. What are you talking Marcus, about? Marcus, 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 I'll give you Marcus. Give me another. Give me another uh, ready running back. Hit me. That's all you need to know. Napoleon Coffee. No oh, man. <laughs> Oh, oh. He, he, plays, he plays for the game. 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 He pl
He said, he said, that's all you need to know is Vargas and <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I give you, I give you Napoleon Kaufman, and you laugh because uh, he, he played. For no, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh at Napoleon. I laughed because you stopped at at Bo and Marcus. But no, okay. I mean, how many more you want? How many more you want out of that? You you act like you was talking about USC running backs or something, man. You're talking about you know Raiders running backs, man. You know they you know they chuck the ball deep, man. Josh Jacobs having the most touchdowns in two seasons. So what? <laughs> so what, huh? Okay, you know what? I hit you with another Bama fact. How about Derek McFadden? How about that guy? You remember that guy? Derek McFadden didn't go to uh, Alabama. He went to Arkansas. Oh, so he man. was Arkansas. That's right. He was Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Look at you. Look at look at you trying to add. Look at you trying to pile on. Well, so you. you <laughs> You trying to you trying to add some some depth to their to their abysmal running back situation? Uh, abysmal! Wow, you really you really harsh up the fans hear hear what you're saying about these running backs. Good, good. I'm so glad. We have a Hewitt uh, a Hewitt Dixon. We have a Harvey Williams. We have a Justin Fargus. We have a, we have we have a. Marv Hubbard. We have a Clem Daniels. All these are rated running backs, by the way, buddy. Oh, I I, I know I I noticed that you had to like actually clarify that because you were just naming off some names of some people you never heard of trying to make a point. I mean, there's there's no point to be made here. It's it's Josh Jacobs, man. It's an Alabama running back, man. Man, I'm looking at this list, bro. And it's not impressive, is it? Yeah, you you struggle you struggling for names that you that you recognize. I I, I saw that. I heard it. I heard it in your voice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at this list. We yeah, have not Rod not Hager. that impressive. Not that no, impressive, Roger, is it? Roger Hagberg, uh, Derek Jensen. Man, this list. We have. Uh, yeah, that list sucks. You might as well get away from that list. Yeah. <laughs> Raiders running back. No, but the two, the, I mean, the the big two was Marcus Allen and, and, and Bo Jackson. I mean, that's where that's really where it stops it stops and starts right there. And yeah, those guys haven't played in 35 years, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That tells you what, what a couple of years of good football was able to do for the kids. Man, anyways, man, you got – why are you talking to me about Josh Jacobs, man? It's an Alabama running back. Because you're because you're banging on him like he like he hasn't done nothing. He hasn't really done nothing, dude. He hasn't really to, done I nothing. To, I have to remind you kind of what he's done. Like as I said, as I said, uh, Pro Bowl selected to the Pro Bowl this year. So good job, good job, Josh. He was not selected to the Pro Bowl this year. Where did, where are you getting this from? What pro bowl are you looking at? Josh Jacobs is a pro bowler for 2020, fella. Look it up. Look it up. Um, so, I'm sorry. Your pro, your pro bowl running backs are Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs? Is that what you're telling me in the AFC? Yeah, there's somebody else in there. There's somebody else. There's three of them. But he's, he's one of them is what I'm telling you, yeah. 
look it up. Tell, let the people know what you find out too. You find it yet? Because, um, you know, bad, uh, bad, quiet silence on the radio isn't a good thing. Did you find it yet? Anyway, I I I did I, I did I did, oh, oh, and, and, and as and as it and as it uh, as it comes up, it says Josh Jacobs makes Pro Bowl after mm. five other running backs are injured <laughs> and are not in consideration. Oh, now you're qualifying. Now you're qualifying. So he was number three. He was the number including. Three. Including Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, um, injuries to Austin Eckler, Patrick Lindsay, and Clyde Edwards-Lair. All these guys were injured. And Joe Mixon. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, after after those guys weren't, weren't available, uh, Josh Jacobs did 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 qualify for the Pro Bowl. Good for him. Well, you yes, asked part of part of making a Pro Bowl. Okay? That's part of it, man. It was availability, right? Sure. So, you know, the, the best ability ability is sure. availability. So, come on, stop stop bashing on the guy. He he sat out and still made. He sat out a couple of games and still made it. Which is disgusting. Yeah. Okay. Get yeah. some credit. Yeah. All right, we get we've I'm given Josh that. Jacobs. Uh, about 17 more minutes of airtime than he really deserves. So we should probably move along now. Um, well, that's that's what we have for NFL NFL talk and Pro Bowl talk because I know you didn't want to hear it. But, fans, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure to hit Cleveland and, and get him on his bashing of Alabama running backs that he loves to do. Cleveland, what's your what's your Twitter? Oh, it's at Cleveland Wonder on Twitter and at I'm sorry, and Cleveland Seal on Instagram. Uh, this is your boy Cam. What's good in sport is you can find me on Twitter. Also, find me on Instagram, Voice of Fans, and we do this for you guys, fans. So please tune in as you subscribe. Tune in to the show. Subscribe to the show. Like it and leave a leave a comment. Leave a remark. Let me know that you're tuning into our show. I appreciate the time that you do spend with us each and every week. Let me leave you with this quote. There may be people who have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you do. That's a quote from number two, the captain, Derek Jeter. One more time, Cleveland. There may be people who have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you than you do. Mr. Derek Jeter going to give a message to the world. Fans, take care. Thank you guys for tuning in to another great week. Cleveland, thank you for your time. Always appreciate it. Fans, as always, thank you for making our voice your choice. Hey, Marcel Smiley right here. Thank you for making our voice your choice. You know what I'm saying? Let me give me a beat, dog. Let me get something. Let me get <laughs> Thank you.